Hello and welcome to the See the Sights podcast. Today I finally have my first official guest that's not Casey and it is my good friend Bob Keeney who happened to uh, just be back in town. I say back in town because well as you'll hear in the podcast um, they, uh, they've, been, they've been gone from the area for a while so it was nice to sit down with him um, and uh, have a great conversation, actually, about a variety of things. We did spend probably the first half hour just talking about RV stuff. So if RV stuff's not really your your bag, you know, skip skip about thirty minutes in, and you'll you'll get there. Did have a few interruptions from the kids, but that's uh, that's probably going to be every podcast. So um, anyway, without further ado, uh, here is my sit down chat with my good friend Bob. Like I said, take a break. If you need to, I know for a fact, having two kids, that I'm going to have to. Sure. So, I got it. I didn't write down stuff to talk about, but it's just you. You and I always talk about good stuff. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Always find something good to talk about anyway. Well, it's it's nice to be in the bat cave, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, so we're already underway. This is Bob from the commercial that I've mentioned I don't know how many times. But Bob has decided to join me. They are in town. And when I say in town, Bob moved. Bob and Carol, your wife Carol, they sold everything and moved into a fifth wheel uh, and have been traveling because their daughter is in Chicago and their son is in North Carolina. North Carolina. Yep. Yeah, it's very liberating nine months ago just to sell everything. Uh, we had already downsized once 10 years ago from a big two-story house into a one-story house and so we had already downsized once and knew how cool that was and the house we moved into then had outdoor uh lawn mowing services and all that uh for us so it was it was kind of a nice deal and now we don't have to deal with any of that yeah it's 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 kind of nice although i yesterday i did uh we did take the rv in for maintenance and, uh, you know, looked at the roof and uh, had to do wheel packing and things like that. So, I mean, you know, just standard stuff. Uh, the drawback was, is as we were leaving the campground, um, it's a very small, tight campground. And we have a 37-foot fifth wheel. We're going around a big turn, and I had to take it wide, and I clipped another RV. Oh, no. Yeah. So... Our very back corner is dented about eight feet up, maybe a a quarter of an inch. And did you get right out of there before they knew you did it? I'm I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, no, because we did the corner and Carol and I were both like, what the hell was that? So we stopped and guy, you know, 20-something guy comes screaming out of the, it's like, and you could just tell he was ready for a fight. It's like, we hit you. Are you okay? And... We have insurance. We're good. And, you know, it wasn't his RV. It was his father-in-law's. So, you know, there's there was, you know, a bunch of confusion there. But, you know, thankfully one of Carol's superpowers is dealing with insurance. Okay. Yeah. So the guy at the RV shop, you know, he's been dealing with RVs for, for years. He goes, don't worry about it. That, that particular strike we deal with ourselves on a monthly basis because RV lots are notorious yeah. for being very tight spaced and they're packed next to each other as tightly as they can so right and this was uh here in kansas city area or yeah yeah right in right in miriam okay 
Yeah, and and we were going out to Grain Valley for uh, for maintenance. Okay. So I mean, nothing nothing big. We did uh, roof maintenance. You know, it's roofs are very expensive to replace. So they got up there, and you know, they take a lot of abuse from tree limbs and things like that. So they just went up there, and he pointed out, it's like, yeah, okay, we could do this, 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 and he's like, you know, seventy dollars worth of parts if if I give it to you, and I went, no, I am not doing a roof. I'm just not because I want, I want it done right. And I don't want to mess with it. Yeah. So, I mean, so I just had them doing it. I want to say I was like three fifty. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so, I, so, so here's one. Do, do you stay in it still at this maintenance or? Oh no, no. We, uh, we, we took Lacey, our dog and went out and had, had a nice leisurely lunch. I had my computer with me and I it did work for as long as my So This is just like an afternoon. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we got there ten thirty. This and, is an extensive like three days, four days, week or two where you've got to like find a hotel or. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not. Okay. Uh, yeah, and and we set this up months ago because if if I had tried to call in yesterday, going, "Hey, can you guys see us today?" They'd been like, "Yeah, see us in three weeks." So yeah, we knew we were going to be in Kansas City this this week for sure. So I set it up three months ago, so they were ready and waiting for us and. Oh, so so the, you when you clipped the other RV, this wasn't even here. This was like three weeks ago. No, 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 that was yesterday. Oh no! Yeah, oh, yeah. No. So so I mean, the timing was yeah. kind of convenient. Turns out that you were already coming in for maintenance, and now yeah. let's take a look at the yeah yeah. So I I think we got the estimate via email today, or maybe we'll get it tomorrow. I don't I don't remember. But while we were there, I was like, so am I? Should I worry about this with rain? He was like, you know what? While you're here, let me just put a bead of caulk on there, and then whenever you deal with it, yeah. you know, we'll we'll take the caulk out. So yeah, it was good. You know, I mean, it's if you didn't know it was there, you wouldn't even notice it. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. it's it's not that big of a deal. Right. And of course, the other guy is going to. He's he's claiming that that's caused a water leak and the whole bit, but you know, the insurance adjustment already. Oh oh yeah. I. Wondering how he knows because it hadn't rained in a day. He might be talking some internal plumbing or whatever. But okay. but you know, I mean, it's he, the stabilizer jacks didn't even move off the pad, so it's not like I I hit hit them that yeah. hard. Yeah, I mean, maybe a quarter inch on my RV. So. I just think you made it ten months, and then you come home and you and you have an incident. Well, I I did actually have one other incident. So it's got six stabilizer jacks, uh-huh. and so the the rear ones are just, just a couple feet behind the the back wheel. Mm-hmm. And we stopped at a McDonald's for lunch, and of course you take up you know ten parking spots with this thing, maybe more. And uh, so when I pulled in, I was like, "All right, cool. There's there's a spot up ahead where I you know I could take a wide turn, and it'll be tight, but I can make it." Just as we got out there, another guy pulled up with an RV, took that spot. And so it's like, well, if I'm going to get out now, I'm going to have to go over the curb. And I only curb on one side. And it went over, and the curbs were just tall enough to clip the edge of the the feet. And so it was bent like this for for a week until we could get uh, a mobile tech out there. Yeah. And... Yeah, we ordered the right parts, and it took a month to get the parts, so it had to follow us, you know, where we were going. We knew we were going to need a Little Rock for two weeks, so it's like, and Carol had a client there, so it's like, all right, let's hope it makes it to Little Rock in, in that time. Yeah. And so we did, and then then a mobile tech came out, and uh, 
we got a, a mobile welder to come out to, to do it. And young kid, he came out and he's like, sorry, I can't do this, man, because this is, this is way too delicate of work. And we're like, oh, man, what are we going to do? And he's like, look, I got, I got guys in town that do trailer work all the time. They're really good. And, of course, I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. So I talked to these guys, and they're like, yeah, we can't get you in until Monday. This is like a Thursday. And uh, we were scheduled to leave on Friday morning to go to the next spot. I'm like, all right. So we start scrambling around to make different plans and all that. And they called us up at like 1.30 in the afternoon. They're like, oh, yeah, our scheduled delivery didn't make it today. So if you could make it here in the next hour, we can take care of you. So it was a beautiful day. We just, we unhooked, left the chairs, the cords, everything else, just right there, went in, and they they had they had to use the welder to take the old bracket off, and then they, they put it back on, put the thing on, and, you know, charged us like 98 bucks for it. So, now it's right as rain. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was, it was perfect. And it's like, <laughs> that's the best $98 I've ever spent, but the $1,000 to <laughs> overall to get the new part, that was the lesson learned, because now... Every parking lot I go into, I have the, can I get out of it again? Right. And that that's that's tough. I mean, because it's a 37-foot RV, and then you've got 20 foot of, of uh, truck on top of it. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, speaking of the truck, that was when I, your wife dropped you off here. Carol dropped you off, and, and uh, I happened to be out crossing the street to check my mailbox, and I saw this dually ram truck <laughs> turning the corner and i actually didn't register that it was you guys and i thought man that is like driving a limousine it's so so huge it's long that wheelbase so you've got to take just driving the truck without the the camper you've got to be careful yes. on your turns yeah so. i mean it, it it there's no such thing as a tight turn radius on those things <laughs> Uh, you know, so so you go to the grocery store. It's like you know, normally you'd you know with a car, you'd you'd go right up to the front, yeah. find a, find the closest parking spot. Yeah, you're no. hoping there's far out spots enough that you can park. <laughs> yeah, because you're almost inevitably using up two spots. Right. Otherwise, your back end or front end is just sticking out four feet. Right. Yeah. So we call it the big ass truck. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Carol used to drive a Mini Cooper. And so we always I remember that's right. Yeah, so we always joke that uh, the truck could have could put we could put the Mini Cooper in the back of the truck if oh. the, if the fifty wheel hitch wasn't there we could probably yeah. put it in there easily easily yeah, easily that's awesome yeah that's awesome but uh, yeah don't call you know don't talk to us about gas mileage you know yeah, it's got a it's got a it's got a fifty gallon tank on it it's diesel it uh, and diesel is just crazy expensive oh, right now God. and it's probably going to get worse because. There's a uh, a bunch of refineries that are down. Gasoline usage is still down. Yeah, and uh, diesel's made in the same process, and so since there's not as much gasoline being used, and there's not as much. Well, I, I guess airline fuel is now kind of in the same boat where where it's kind of a little down, but not as much as it was. But this middling diesel fuel is is. Uh, going to be scarce and since that's what every truck in the universe uses yeah it's uh it's probably going to get really expensive ah, that's crazy yeah and so, so, here's something that i don't know and i grew up i grew up on a used car lot but what is the benefit of diesel is it is it that you get more per gallon miles or is it that you get more 
power out of the engine. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not a car right. person, and, so I don't know. But but if I if I understand it correctly, because we should look that up while we're talking. Yeah, could be. look it up. It's the benefit of diesel. Yeah, well, and I I think what it is, it's it's technically easier to make. Oh right, because it's not as as it's much not, of a process. Right. But it costs more because there's a high demand for it. Is that why right now? Yeah. Well, and, and because it's mostly used by truckers, it's got higher tax on it. Oh. Yeah. So the gasoline tax hasn't increased in, what, 25 years in most states. Diesel taxes have have gone up since then. I mean, so I don't know how much, but. So I just put in, what are the benefits of diesel versus gas? So just to hit, let me click on it. Well, let me just read that. It says diesel engines are more efficient, more durable, and have higher torque. So it is a little bit about power Mm -hmm. than gas ones. However, they are more work to maintain and are less convenient than gasoline-powered vehicles. Gas engines use spark plug to ignite fuel, causing small explosions thousands of times a minute. This damages the engine, blah, 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 blah. Okay, Okay, so it comes down to... The torque it comes down to the power, right? And and I will say that you know, ten years ago we had a, a class A. I should have left this open in case we had more, <laughs> more That's questions. Okay. So ten years ago we had a class A diesel, which is the big bus, forty foot long. And it was diesel. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, you had the Class A. And and the thing about diesel engines is they will last forever. Yeah. I mean, hundred thousand miles is nothing for is diesel. Nothing right for them. Um, yeah, so those Greyhound buses are like three million miles or something. Oh like yeah, that. yeah. I mean, yeah. as long as you keep the oil change going, yeah. The other as long day. as you keep up the maintenance, they're like they run forever. Right, and so that's one of the advantages of having. Well, I think the advantage of having the fifth wheel is that we can get the Ram serviced anywhere. Right, and we have. I mean, we've been in North Carolina. We've been in. Uh, Jacksonville, we've been in, in various other places, and it's like, okay, we need to get it done, we'll just take it into the local dealership. With the Class A diesel, you had to go to a specific dealership like um, uh, Freightliner, or, and I forget who the other one is, but uh, they're the ones that have to deal with all that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, oil changes for the truck and for the for the Class A were expensive. It's like, three or four hundred bucks because it's like 12 gallons of fuel and you have or 12 gallons of oil yeah not, not gallons but 12 but, quarts and yeah. yeah it's a lot of oil and you have to dispose of it and then you have to you know there's a bunch of filters and all that and the other thing with diesel that's really inconvenient is def which is diesel exhaust fuel and that helps take the particulates out of the air so and that's kind of a pain in the butt uh, and it's just another fluid. Smells like cat pee. Oh, <laughs> fun stuff. Yeah, and and yeah, probably one. You know, it's I think it's two and a half gallons in my truck, and so I really only need to fill it up about once every three or four fill ups, and right. it just it just helps clean the air. You know, okay. every every diesel engine since two thousand eight, I think, has been required to have a def. Uh, system on it. Huh. That's we Casey and I've we still talk about it and hope to maybe do it someday. We'd probably buy a used Class A, but they're out there. They have a wheelchair lift because mm-hmm. um, 
you know, we're going to have Hudson with us for quite a while. Yeah. So. And, and yeah, I mean, the Class A is probably the right right choice for you because you can't ride in the fifth wheel when you're hooked up. Correct. So, so but you can in the Class A. That's part of our argument is that, we you know, we could, we can, I mean, technically everyone's supposed to be in their seat belts and their upright seats and the, you know, it, but. Well, okay. <laughs> all I can, all I can say is this, when Devin, oh gosh, Devin was 13, 12 or 13 when we did our, you know, we homeschooled her through junior high and all that, yeah. and we did a did a run through the southeast or southwest and Yellowstone, and the number of hours she slept while belted but sleeping on the couch right. was was probably more than I'd care to admit. Right. Well, that's 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 what we figure is that at least we know that pretty much if you're on you know the highway and you're just cruising down the highway that if we had to change Hutchins diaper. You know that we're probably going to take that chance. Sure. You know. Yeah, and the nice thing about it is, you know, you can get up, or everybody other than the driver can get up, use the restroom, could eat, you know, could use the microwave and right, and right. Cook, cook cook dinner. And we did that plenty of times too. We yeah. did a class C um, in fall of 2020 and went out to Colorado Springs, and it was awesome. It was a horrible RV. But it was still great. I imagine it was pretty noisy. We yeah, we did the uh, uh, what was that Cruise America? Oh, those things are and not yeah very high end. But we but we did it. And her parents split it with us, and so we all we we really didn't we didn't stay in it. We 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 did like a Verbo or a or a Airbnb uh, uh, or Airbnb, Airbnb. right. And uh, so we'd already, we had places to stay, but we used it for the trip out because we knew it would be so convenient. And mm-hmm. I mean, my father-in-law and I sat and we played cards at the table and Dominic was able to hang out and eat snacks at the table. And we had Hudson's recliner along with us and she was able to kick back on that. And there was, I drove for a while and then I took a nap and Casey drove for a while and then I was able to get up from my nap and drive it on in when we got in. So, sure. so it was great. It was so convenient. We just think, wow, if we went class A, there'd be a lot more room. <laughs> you know, you might be surprised. Uh, you know, the one thing that, you know, because we've had a class A and uh, last January we went down to the Tampa Super Show and, you know, thousands of RVs just there to look at. Yeah. And so we looked at other fifth wheels. Uh, we have a grand design, yeah, which is fairly high end, but not the highest end. But, you know, it's a good quality. We wanted to make sure that, that we had the right floor plan that works for us. And we decided we did because we have a mid-bunk that I use as an office. And that's yeah. where the computer equipment is and our, our little server system and things like that. Is, yeah. uh, uh, but some of the fifth wheel or some of the Class A motorhomes, are really just horrible when it comes to storage. I mean, it, and it seems like the more expensive they are, the less storage they have, which is weird, hmm. you know? So, you know, we wanted to go, when we were looking at them, we wanted to find something that was quality, and we were going to say, oh, we'll buy a bunkhouse system, then we'll convert it into an office. And we looked at them, and they're just tiny. I mean, it'd be like, you know... It's it's wide enough for the bunkhouse is is just a single bed, yeah. so it would be just not even as wide as this this table here, and it's just not a lot of room. And then we'd probably spend another ten grand just renovating the bunkhouse so right. it looked nice and all that. Right. 
and the fifth wheel had it built in. Nice. And a lot of them do. Ours was just, we're not going to move into it. Sure. So we're, you know, we're looking for something that we can go for two weeks. But but we want to go to big class A. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. like maybe even as far as uh, a Prevost. Like, I mean, definitely used. <laughs> but they do have, they do have a lot of the storage space underneath sure. them and all that. So. New Mars are really good. Yeah. High end. Yeah, they're. They're, I'd say they're higher mid-tier. Yeah. So probably one of the better ones. Winnebago's not. By the time way. we do it, Dominic's going to be out of the house. So it's it's sure. really just, just Casey and Hudson and I, so it shouldn't be a big deal. And maybe bringing a nurse along. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a great way of seeing the country. I mean, you just you don't realize how far it is sometimes. How I mean, far? Yeah. Just, I mean, just... To, to go from like Austin to where our last major stop to here to Kansas City. Yeah. I mean, that was 11 hours of driving in the RV. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we generally have a rule. It's like, yeah, five and a half hours is pretty much about the max we want to do. And the first leg, uh, we went from Austin to Wellington, Kansas, which. It's like the southern border of Kansas. Next yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I think that was. Eight hours of drive time because it's three hours from here. Yes, so. yeah, and we wanted to do that so we could, you know, we play music instruments, so, so we wanted to jam with our friends on Saturday morning and kind of surprise everybody. So, and we did because um, they were like, "What are you guys doing here? You're not supposed to be here." <laughs> yeah, they just they're at a campground there. Or? No, no, no. So, so uh, there's a music jam group called Whiskey uh, at Whiskey just after breakfast in Kansas City. They okay. play in Lenexa at the Foundry Church uh, most Saturday mornings from 10 to noon. Okay. And, you know, people from all over the, the, the Kansas City area come and play, you know. It just happens to be, you just have me rolling into town around then. Yeah, well, we... we you planned it, of course. We planned but, I mean, it that as far way. as they're concerned, you just happen to be rolling into town. Yeah, <laughs> well, and, and we thought about ahead because we called Rover, you know, which is a, uh, a gig service for... Uh-huh for people to look at you, watch your dog. Yeah. And so, so we found somebody that was like in the next neighborhood over, she came over, picked up Lacey, took her for a two hour walk, gave her water, gave her food and, you know, played with their dog for a little bit. And, you know, at noon brought her back and, you know, it was like money well spent because we didn't have to deal with the dog. Right. Hours. But I just met your dog. You don't really have to deal with your dog. She's she's pretty great. Oh, she's a great camp dog. But, you know, I mean, I mean, we, we were in Woodward, Oklahoma, uh, two months ago, uh-huh. and twenty seven of us in a Boy Scout camp, and she was the only dog. Well, I mean, there were four dogs there, and she was the only dog that was left alone and didn't bother anybody she'd walk up to people and, and they'd pet her and you know she'd wander in and out of the kitchen looking for a scrap or two but you know for the most part she she just is happy to be around people she was great uh, you guys uh, so so for anyone of course doesn't know bob and carol actually this tonight today what is this thursday they yes. came here sunday and all of our neighbors, I think we had probably at least 30 or 40 people mm-hmm. in the driveway. All the neighbors. And it was it was in my driveway, but it was the neighborhood. So uh, we cooked a bunch of food, and it was a Memorial Weekend kind of hangout. Well, Bob and Carol were coming over, and this all just kind of happened. And they brought their dog. And this 
this dog just hung out in the driveway. No one else just lets their dog out in the neighborhood because because I think one of our neighbors is capable of doing that with their dog. But even then, they have to yell at them all the time. <laughs> yeah, I you know I keep an eye on Lacey, but yeah, she who, did so good. Whoever her previous owner did was did a great job because she mines so well. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, she can wander off, and if I, I go, Lacey, she'll she'll go. Oh yeah, okay, I'll be back in a in a second here, <laughs> and she will be. So, in the two years we've had her, two years, year and a half, uh, she's never bolted out the door. Well, she's bolted once when there was a squirrel right outside the door. Yeah. And that was it. And even then, it was like, okay, as soon as the squirrel jumped up, she was just like, yeah, okay, okay. I'm not going to over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, she's a great camp dog. We've taken her all over the Southwest and not been a problem in any campground. Um, she she gets a little separation anxiety when we leave her in the RV, but even that's kind of getting a little better because I think she realizes that, Okay. Yeah, okay, they're we are coming back. Yeah, we are going to come back. Right. Even though, even though, it, you know, it's funny. Every time we walk out the door, it's like, Lacey, we'll, we will be back. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like I don't know why we do that. It's just, I think it's to just to have a some some way of reassuring her that, uh, you know, really, it's okay. We'll be back. Right. Right. You're just telling yourself that. You know. That. Yeah, I know. <laughs> do you want another truly? I'm going to grab one out of the church. Sure. Just pause for really quick and grab us one. All right, we're back. I just quickly ran out to the fridge to grab a grab a second truly for us because I did tell Bob we'd do this podcast and we'd have a bit of a sober conversation. And he said, "What do you mean sober?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Well, you know, sober can mean a few things." So. Yeah. Okay, so I was gonna have a whole you know list of possible topics to to chat with you about. I think we've done RV talk for twenty five minutes, but. Sure. Um, I could talk about it for another uh, right? you know, four hours. <laughs> I, uh, I, d- I did. I, I do see that you kind of you you started it with. Uh, it was nice because you didn't. You moved to your other house and you didn't have to do yard maintenance. And now you've traded some convenience by hopping in the RV. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, people ask us all the time, "What do we miss the most about living in a house?" Yeah. Um, first thing is high-speed internet i mean it, it it's been awful it's been a struggle the entire nine months yeah uh starlink is waiting for us in kalamazoo yeah so um we'll be there in three weeks so i'm super excited about that so okay so, so wait kalamazoo michigan michigan okay that's right sunday you told me you were contemplating just driving up there to get it because it's already there yeah it's already there got there tuesday but <laughs> I might wait. We're going to be in Indianapolis, which is maybe four hours, maybe not even that long. So I might drive up and, you know, Carol, Carol's like, you don't want to drive eight hours for that. And I went, I would. <laughs> but Patience, Bob. You've yeah, got to have patience. I know, I know. Well, you know, the, the funny thing is that now that it's shipped, they've already warned us. They're going to start charging us the, the, the monthly rate, even if we're not using it. So Right. Yeah, so it's kind of like, well, I just want to use it. You know, I mean, when I'm averaging, you know, one and a half megabit per second download speeds, I mean, my, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, a six gigabyte. One and a half? Yeah. I mean, oh. I mean, it, it varies depending on location. And, yeah, and, but and, coming from 
you living here yeah, we had go- before. We had, we had Google, Google Fiber. Fiber. And we're one of the, so for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Kansas City and I believe Austin were the first two Google Fiber cities. We were the first two cities to have a thousand megabit per, per second. second. Yeah. So 1.5 is pretty brutal. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, I mean, that's enough to stream video. I mean, and we can, you know, do Zoom calls and things like that. But but you have issues occasionally. Have because issues of it. occasionally. And the work I do, I mean, I can go through 20 gigabytes in an hour. Yeah. If, you know, if I if I if I'm being honest. Yeah. But, you know, so so, so that's Tell cool. us what you do, Bob, that l- allows you to be able to work from the road. <laughs> okay. I mean, can you tell me what it is that you do for the sure. layperson? Sure. Well, well, we'll give the background. So, so I was a software consultant for 20 years. So, you name an industry, I probably wrote some software for them, you know, from games to simulations to every type of business software you can ever imagine. I can't tell you the number of utilities that that I wrote. I mean, and and our our the big claim to fame is they were all Mac and Windows, sometimes Linux with one code base. And that's that's really hard to do because most times it requires either using Java, which has its own limitations, or you're writing it in three different languages. Like you're, you know, one would be Visual Studio. You're gonna have to dumb this down for me, Bob. Okay, all right. So <laughs> <laughs> I know you're just cruising through what you, what you know, but you gotta dumb it down. Yeah. Okay. So so a lot of people. Oh, like take Microsoft Office for example. Okay. They have a version for Mac. They have a version for Windows. Okay. They have two separate development teams. So they have a Windows team and they have a Mac team. They're making the same product for two different targets. Targets, And so they technically are making two separate things because they run differently. Yes. And... The software that that we use, and I still use today in this new job, which I'll get to in a minute, but uses this product called Zojo, and you know I don't expect anybody to know what it is, but it's X O J O, pronounced Zojo, and it allows you to create a, an application that's cross-platform with very minimal ease. Wait a minute, you said you said with very minimal ease, right? So so it's easy to to make a cross-platform app. It's hard to make a a good cross-platform app because there there are very subtle differences in how Windows and how Mac OS deal with their UI. Uh-huh. I mean, simple things like so. Wait, you now just okay. got to remember our audience. So, sure. OS is operating system, right? And UI is user interface. Okay. Just so we're all, just so we're keeping everybody right. Alert. So, so I mean, this is this is. I a, got some old ladies that listen to this. So. Sure, I got it. I got it. Um, I helped plenty of old ladies in, in my career get their get their get their stuff done. So, like a dialog box, that's a simple yes no. Uh huh. Well, on Windows, the yes and no would be opposite of what yes and no on the Mac would be. Okay. So, it's it's turns out that's a non-trivial thing because the dialog box is an OS level construct. Okay. So internally in the software that we created, we had to know what platform are you on so you can you can code it so that it normally it switches it naturally. Because Mac users 
and I've been a Mac user since 1985. Okay. Um, are are picky sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and and I say that with all the love in the world because I am too. Because I expect actually, if I'm if I'm being honest, I will. I if I see a yes no dialogue on Mac, I would be pretty pissed because that's not how Mac does stuff. Mac will do a. They'll have a dialogue and it'll go. Uh, if you do this, you know, it'll be like three choices. It'll be like, you know, save, cancel. Uh, try to, it's, it's a poor example. But anyway, there's usually three options. And usually one of them's the positive action, one of them's the negative action, and then there's a cancel. Okay. And Windows is finally. This is like, do, don't, or this is. I mean, it's, it's like like yes, no, or can. don't do any, anything. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes, no, don't do anything. But they use the verb for it. You know. So okay. if, if if your dialogue says, you know, do you want to delete this file, the the neg the the default one would be no because of because Windows. If anything, Windows has taught us for, for the last thirty years is to hit the enter key as soon as the dialogue shows up. So you want the default action to be not the destructive one. Okay. So, yeah. So that's right. Yeah. So, so, so Mac will do the same thing, but it, they'll give you more options and it'll be delete return or, you know, or cancel it. it anyway, I'm they just word the same stuff differently and you have to code it differently and it has to go through different passages to happen. Right. 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 I mean, we're diving deep into the weeds here, so right. I apologize to all the all, <laughs> the all all the people that are non-techie out there. But, I, this, but this is my job, so well, you know. Well, I was a PC guy forever until. Gosh, when did I move to a Mac? Gosh, I moved to a Mac in. Well, I think right before I started my vlog. Well, so, didn't 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 we donate the first iMac to you? This this iMac <laughs> is the Mac. Is the okay. iMac. All right. But this is my second MacBook, and I had it before that okay. Mac. Uh, sorry. Third Mac, but the first Mac was Casey's Mac, and it was so ancient that I could basically only get on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, uh, I can't remember what I did. I, I, I used to use her really old Mac for, for something, but it was it was really just, to, just so I could visit the internet sure and it barely could do that then i bought a macbook then that macbook uh died and then you gave me that and i used it for a minute and then i got this macbook which is a the 19 which everyone complained about but i did not know until after i had it but i i like it everyone complained about I, this i had i have this model for work yeah, yeah, and and it's fine, you know. I mean, I, I actually I, like this. Um, what is it? It's it's like a screen bar. for anyone not looking, but but imagine a keyboard, and then above that, uh, where function keys usually would be, there's kind of like a really long narrow screen, and it's a touch screen. It's a touch bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, touch bar. And, but I use it often, especially when I'm editing, because I can scroll very easily with it right. to where I'm going in in my timelines. So. Uh, the the problem that many people have is if you overreach on the top row of actual keys, mm -hmm. it's very easy to, to, to bump the other thing. Yeah, to, yeah. to bump one of the function keys, and I do that 
probably once a week. I turn Siri on accidentally all the time with this thing. Yeah, yeah, but it's not it's not uncommon. But I've been happy with it. But I uh, I did see so this one has the four um, USB C ports on it and nothing else. Mm-hmm. But I did see that they finally given back an SD slot uh-huh. and that's going to be my next move because sure. having to plug a, a dongle I have I have two different dongles that I have to plug in only, this one only two for I, SD cards <laughs> and I, th- then, I think I have like six or six <laughs> or eight dongles and then I have the other one that allows me to put anything USB and uh, headphones, uh, it's got a headphone jack, but if I put that on and I'm using it because I need to have my extended hard drive, then it's blocking the port, and then it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, I yeah, mean, HDMI. Like, I can't even plug into HDMI, so I, I just don't know why they did that, but if, fortunately, apparently, they have did a little bit of listening Yes, for yeah. once. Uh, Carol and I both got M1 Max when we <laughs> moved into the RV. Um, that's the new generation of, of Apple Silicon Macs, and their ports are way better. And oh my gosh, the damn thing is so speedy. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I, next time I do this, I'm going with a. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to go with a giant. I didn't. I, I only have 256 on this, and when I'm editing, I can make one episode, and it'll 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 be 120 gig uh you know an <laughs> external hard drive uh, you know that that yeah. has you know, i have five terabytes and i move i move everything to it now so yep. I've, I've got the space but i still have to get it out and plug it in and i have to make sure that i've my my mac has to sit where it is while it's rendering yep to that hard drive and well I, but but even on the m1 i got the largest drive i could get and i'm you know, all the historical stuff I have, along with some video and all that, I mean, it, it eats it up pretty quick. I mean, yeah. I have 20 years of, of client software that uh, that I've developed. Yeah. But, you know, now that I'm no longer in that business, I've started to, you know, just delete it because it's like, you know what, I'm never going to use it again. The client's not, not going to ever use it again. So. Right. But anyway, so, so yeah. get, getting back to the original question <laughs> of what I do. So I work for a company that does data forensics. So they work with a lot of law enforcement and government agencies and e-discovery systems, lawyers and things like that. And so they'll image your phone or your computer, which means they take a, a physical copy of, of the drive. Okay. And then our software ingests it and points out all the interesting bits. Quote unquote, interesting bits. Yeah, I mean, so so we do some image analysis, and and the dark that, could that be said suspicious bits or oh definitely. I mean, when you say interesting bits, I mean it's we're obviously we're trying to uh, this would be to capture somebody doing something nefarious, maybe. right? Right, right. So so good example is child pornography. Correct. I mean, it's rampant in the universe. And yes. it, I mean, it's it, the law enforcement plays whack-a-mole with it. <sighs> Microsoft, a number of years ago, came out with a uh, library called uh, Photo DNA, I think it's called. And so, so the old way of doing it is you'd create, law enforcement would create a hash of a photo. And the thing with a hash is it, 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 it's a very short string, but 
it identify uniquely identifies a file based on the contents. So hackers would go and they'd change one pixel or they'd crop it or turn it into a black and white image or whatever, and the hash would be wrong. So there was no way of, of identifying um, photos that were common throughout the world. And so the photo DNA allows us to do that. So so law enforcement can look at all the pictures on a file on a hard drive and run it against the known images database, which is again a it's an international thing. And they can go, Yep, we've got three thousand images we know we know that are are child pornography or of a certain origin. Right. And so that's automatically going to be flagged right but the the image analysis can look at uh skin tone it can look at weapons it can look at uh drug use sex i mean there's like 19 different categories that it can go and then it assigns a value to it so an investigator can go in and go all right i want to see any pictures that might have drugs in it right and it'll it'll the i mean literally shows a thumbnail of every of of every image that has that yeah, by percentage. So, so interesting on on that. So you remind me of uh, I saw this in seen this come out a couple of months ago or so. This doll E. Have you heard of this? Uh-uh. Where it's an AI, and you can type in uh, literally in text what you would like the image to look like. Uh, you could say, uh, "I would like a." panda wearing a raincoat riding a bicycle and this ai will bring you and, and you could say i want it to look baroque like uh, like sure. artistic style mm-hmm. or photograph style or and this dal e it's like d-a-l dash e hmm. ai which i have signed up to be able to type in in an image because you right now you can't just use it you have to like wait in line to be allowed to sure but it is creating images <clears throat> that they're saying they're just they're going to put artists out of business and i have seen quite a few and it is in fa- i i should pull it up while we're yeah because we've had the computer open while we're talking so um my my reason i thought about talking about it here was that this image recognizing software that you're talking about you know it, it's it's recognizing a gun or you know the shape it's recognizing skin tones along with shape you know mm-hmm. because you know it's, it's just a picture of a bald head it's going to be different from the picture of say a chest with a nipple or something like mm-hmm. that right yeah so it's recognizing colors shapes probably beyond that but um i'm wondering with something like this doll e this ai which I know the AI isn't totally aware yet, but but that if something's able to do, and I'm going to pull this up while we're talking, but um, if it's able to create these images, I would think that it would go backwards and probably get better at recognizing inappropriate. Yeah, well, I mean, these libraries are always evolving. Or D-A-L-L dash E. There we go. Okay, I mean, the, the libraries are always evolving... And the bad guys are always uh, evolving, too. I mean... Right. So you see there on the... If you just go to D... uh, Actually, it's openai.com and then backslash D-A-L-L-E-2 backslash. 
if you go on your web, if you go on the internet, you can see this, but these images that are popping up are all from someone typing in. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty bizarre. It's pretty great, actually, because it's not just this one image. For example, now we're looking at an astronaut sitting on a horse riding through space, but it has created different, just depending on what has been typed in. Right. None so, of these things exist in real life, and they are photorealistic. But original image, Dali variation, so in, uh, it's typed in, or, or, well. So anyway, if you, you now you're going to go check this out for sure after this, but. You know, I, I'll i be honest. I, I I don't know if I have much interest in this, because to me, art is, I mean, art is what you make of it. I mean, so if if this is something that you wanted to try, you could certainly do it. But to me, the the whole point of art is being able to, you know, especially with the visual arts, is to go to a museum and and look at it and go, somebody somewhere took the time to create this to create it, put their love and passion into it. Correct. I totally agree with that. Right now, I mean. I get this. This is this is really cool stuff. But yeah, you know, uh, as somebody who plays music, as you know, I, I I can't draw to save my life. I can't I, I can't paint to save my life. But I appreciate it. So, you know, my wife. There's there are programs out there that I've seen that are actually music creation too. So they say, uh, you know, write a country music song from this era about. XYZ and it creates, you know, or it's rap music or it's a rock and roll song and the AI is creating these songs. It's, it's, it's insane to me the level that. Right. But, but again, you know, having, having known lots of musicians, you know, I, I, I think the algorithms and, and, you know, it, they'll always get better. But I always appreciate the fact that somebody came up with something. Somebody came up with it, right. Somebody came up with it that is a unique sound. Uh, you know, I think back Lincoln Park. You know, when they hit the scene, was it 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever it was, totally brand new sound. And it was, everybody went, wow, this is really good. Bob, I hate to tell you. Probably around eighteen years ago. <laughs> well, know. You know, I know. Hey, time, time has no meaning after the pandemic. You know, <laughs> yeah. What is time? Yeah, what is time? <laughs> but you're right. It probably is twenty years right, ago. Cause, right. Because when we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, probably <sighs> ten years ago, they were already in it. So, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, again, I always like to say we stand on the giants or shoulders of giants mm. because. Like, I have an electrical engineering degree. I studied quantum mechanics my senior year in college. And it was, like, maybe a quarter of a semester. And all of us were like, what? Devin, as a freshman, got that same level and more in freshman physics. So it's kind of like, you know, it just becomes the standard. Yeah, kind of like... You know, here we are at Mac OS 12. I started on Mac OS 3. You know, Mac OS 12 is a direct descendant of Mac OS 3, 
but they had to go through a lot of work to get there. I think and same thing with music and, it, and any other artist and things like that. So. And you're, you're a Star Trek fan. Mm-hmm. I've always liked that that thought of how just the kids on Star Trek were able to just 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 do algorithms that 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 created you know Wesley uh, Crusher was able to just do everything that he needed to do. He had all. I sound so dumb right now, but. But his ability on this this show is real. <laughs> it's 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 comparable to what we're looking at now with our kids. Yeah. That, so so think about it this way: Domic probably can program your TV for you, right? And you know you you'd be able to figure it out because you know you've had a programmable TV long enough where it's like okay, it's not totally foreign. But I look at my own daughter and she's doing stuff that I mean I have no clue I mean I'm not I, a, I'm not a dumb guy but you know she was doing research I, last summer that she's explained it multiple times to both me and mom and her mom and we just don't we don't we just don't understand it right and right. for her that's commonplace right Dominic what's up um, we gotta take a break really quick now? Uh, yeah you can, you can go play your computer if you want well, I was going to say, our our kids are like Moore's Law, almost, on a smaller scale. That they're moving almost as fast. Just our kids, I, I, I'm saying humanity is almost moving at their understanding. We're so adaptable, right? Sure. Think about your grandparents. I don't know if you knew your grandparents, but... They knew a lot, but they were barely able to run the phone, and phones had been around for almost a hundred years. Well, not you know, but they'd been around for a while. And then, and I'm not talking about cell phones. I'm talking about just the house phone. Sure, I mean, when they moved from dial to buttons, I remember my grandpa getting mad because they had to push buttons to dial a number instead of spin the dial. Right? Did Did you ever live any place that had a party line? No, I did not, but I but I'm really familiar with the potty line. Yeah, so so Carol did in in Wisconsin. Yeah, I never had a party line, but you know, but I remember the transition from the dials. Mm-hmm. You know, and you'd get to number seven, and you'd miss dial, and you're like, "Crap!" Now I have to start over again. Yeah, and now and, you know, and I remember, I can probably tell you five or six phone numbers from the immediate neighbors. Because I just memorized them. Yeah. And I still know them. But yeah. I I, I, guess, I don't know what your number is. <laughs> of course not. Yeah. If you lose your cell phone, you're like, who? how am I going to call my wife? That <laughs> Fortunately, one, that, I know that, my wife. That one I do yes. know. But yeah, but I, I don't think I could call either one of my kids. Right. Because yeah. I've never had to dial their number manually Correct. enough times to memorize but it. But I, I used to have, I, I promise you, I had probably 30 five or 40 phone numbers just in my head. Yep. Same. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, and now I can't remember what I ate for lunch yesterday. (laughs) Well, that's, that's called getting old, Dan. (laughs) 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 Yeah. That, 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 that's just, there's, I I think when you're younger, all that stuff becomes easier because there's just not as much stuff in your head. 
and right. they're they're little sponges. Yeah, and, and I'm guilty, by the way. Moore's law that I brought up. So in <laughs> case, I forgot we might have some little old ladies listening here. Moore's law has to do with technology and how fast it advances itself. So actually, it's based, about, the, about the number of transistors. That's how it originally got going. Right. And, and so, so when you make one leap, you've created a faster leap to the next leap. Yes. You've created new avenues, and all those avenues combined create another leap. So it's, I don't know, I I hope that maybe some of the older people that maybe don't understand have at least seen Wayne's World that came out like easily 30 years ago. But he says, you know, they tell two people, and then they tell two people, and they tell two people. It, it expounds it's upon itself. It's and an it ex- over, you exponential know, growth. Exponential growth. Yeah. And and that's that's very much what what the internet has done for us. So so we have a I mean there's more. Yeah, you know, gosh, I remember I, I forget where I heard of it. It's like we generate more data in like a month than the last thousand years combined. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and all that does it's exponential growth now. Whether or not, I mean, having that data is great, but for the most part, it's just noise. Yeah, right. But it's, uh, was okay, so I'm recording this, by the way, with an iPhone 13 Pro. And that's because I, <laughs> speak of knowing how to do things, I could not get both mics to work. Fortunately, the sound is great on this because it's an incredible phone, but it is probably at least a hundred times more powerful than the technology that sent that, that they used for the men flying to the moon. Oh, uh, like pro- probably, probably, probably a thousand, probably more. maybe more like 10,000 times. It, it's insane that, that they, they did it on, on, on the power that's in, I mean, what is, what even is a calculator anymore? But, well, I mean, I, I think they had under 4K RAM, and they still had to punch in some programs by hand. Yeah. Yeah, because... They, because of the storage... Yeah, it was there nothing. There was no... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was nothing. Um, they had to give the commands physically through buttons to... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. I mean, the fact that, you know, like... Voyager 1, 2, maybe both, are still actively receiving commands and sending data back to Earth after almost 40 years in space is just incredible. Yeah, I think, one, I just saw something in the news last week that they're saying it's it's weird data. They're not saying it's incorrect data. They're saying they're getting weird data. It's the furthest one out and it's the one that's that's actually in has left our solar system mm-hmm. and is in just the void. <laughs> yeah. And it left something like 40 years ago. Yeah, I think it was 1972 when those went up. And they're they're not sure exactly what the data is that they're getting back from it. I mean, it's it's about thirty five years past its lifespan. It's so ins- yeah, that's another. It's insane that it's even still out there. Well, I, I will. I, I'm a NASA geek, but you know, I will I will give NASA credit for 
designing stuff and saying, well, we think it'll last this long. Anything past that is just icing on the cake. And, you know, you got got the rovers on Mars that have just been doing great stuff. Um, You've got the, I mean, the James Webb Telescope. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that, I mean, I thought for sure that thing was just not going to work. We just haven't even seen the anything from that as far as what we're probably going to see. Right. I mean, imagine the Hubble telescope images mm. times a thousand uh-huh. because that, that's the level of sophistication it is. And uh, just you know, pointing it at the, you know, the one story with pointing it at that in the scheme of things, you know, a postage stamp sized piece of space that they considered the darkest piece of space where there was nothing in our night sky that they just basically expected nothing and they found thousands upon thousands of galaxies in that image yeah i mean to me that's the they'd have put it there for a month but right right but that but that's how faint the image you know the, the photons that are coming from it are um yeah and to me that's the that's the beautiful thing about you know space exploration is because it's always going to be beyond anything that we can imagine. Yeah, and I can imagine a lot because I'm a Star Trek fan, just like you. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm a total geek. I was, I was always the Next Generation fan. I appreciate the originals, but I was always a Next Generation fan. I was a Next Generation fan until Deep Space Nine came out. Okay, and I love Deep Space Nine because, to me, it was. It was a show where nothing was truly black and white because here's a space station. You had uh, a basically a terrorist in Major Kira who becomes the, you know, the station liaison to the Federation. You've got a captain who African-American captain who um, loses his wife and is raising a single son. Uh, or son by himself. You've got the aliens that are always an interesting thing. Garrick, one of my favorite characters ever, because nothing he ever said was truly true or false. You know, I mean, he, <laughs> he, he was such a great character. And then you've got Dax, who was this, this beautiful female, but had multiple lifetimes as a male. And so, I mean, it truly was a gender-bending um, show from that perspective. And, and I remember thinking that it was so easy to hate the Ferengi. I can't remember his name. Quark. Quark. It was so easy. You just wanted to hate the guy, but he always came th- through and did the right thing. Right, right. I mean, and, <laughs> and you know, and, and it's great because he, he was always like, humans. I love the humans but they scare the shit out of me. <laughs> right. It was like he was this angry, bitter, kind of felt like he'd kind of screw you over in a business deal, but maybe not as bad as us. <laughs> sure. I mean, and that was always the weird thing because, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, the good guys weren't always good. The bad guys weren't always bad. And that was a great thing about Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Um, you know, matter of fact, I was one of the backers on the documentary for it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but if you know, if you get to the end where they show all the donors, I'll we'll be in there. Nice. Yeah. And to me, I mean, and both of my kids just love that series. I mean, I've probably watched it from start to finish probably five times. Nice. And I, I used to watch it. I honestly, I it's been so long ago. I used to watch it when it was on. Sure. I it's And it's, that was the 90s. Yeah, right. It, it's yeah. it's one of those shows where you truly have to start at the beginning. Oh, and then they they add the religious part of it because Cisco was um not the chosen one, but uh the prophet. Yeah. Okay. Or, forget the whatever it was. But anyway, you know, so so he's considered this religious icon and he doesn't want to be that. And meanwhile, Bajor is recovering from this massive war. And, you know, there's, I mean, it's just everything goes back and forth. And there's iconic episodes. There's lists online where you can go, you know, these are the 20 episodes that you want to watch. And they're, they're a lot of fun because there's, like, Kira, who's who fought the Cardassians for years, major terrorist, you know, is sure that that a guy coming off the shuttle is like the the butcher of whatever. I mean, just was ready to kill him and, you know, just slit his throat right then and there. At the end of it, she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for what you had to go through. I mean, it turns out he wasn't the butcher, but he was the clerk. You know, the clerk who had to s- sign all the paperwork to ensure that the Bajorans were killed and he felt so guilty he did all this plastic surgery and all that to to yeah he wanted to uh he was just guilty so he was trying to get himself killed to be you know to make himself feel better and you know but it was this dichotomy of like yeah okay you did some terrible you did terrible things but here's the terrorist who was fighting against you forgiving you for your for, for your sins. I mean, just just weird stuff like that that happened throughout the entire series. You know, just making you rethink your your passionate... So, I don't know. Sometimes when I feel like I'm going to... When I automatically have a reaction to something that I feel like I'm, I don't... I can't control that, it makes me kind of question it. Mm-hmm. it makes me stop and kind of say, well, wait a minute. I... There's not thought behind the the decision I think I want to make right now. Sure. And I try to recognize why that is. And it usually goes back to childhood. Hey, buddy, what's up? Um. All right. If you're a fan of this podcast, you know who Domic is. So, <laughs> that, uh, so far, it's only been two interruptions from Domic. I thought that it would be more by yeah. now. Hey, I, I miss having kids that age. So. <laughs> we're we're an hour in, uh, and fortunately, it was time to take a break so we could get our uh, another truly. So Cheers, I think we're about an hour and a half in, starting on our third truly. So that's not that's not overboard. I don't think. No, not at all. Um, so you were talking passion. Yeah, it was the. I think why am I upset about this? thing why does why is it affecting me so deeply and it usually goes back to something obviously i i feel out of control you're you're slightly out of control when you're that way sure when you're passionate about something yeah that doesn't mean that you're wrong 
It just means that there's probably something that affected you to make you react. Sure. I, uh, and so I think maybe sometimes the measure is to, to catch yourself <laughs> when you're doing that and recognize why and then maybe figure out whether you should make your decision. Right. And that's always the hard part is, is stepping st- back out of stepping yourself. Stepping back, yes. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you and I have had some some really deep discussions <laughs> over the years about some some pretty heavy topics, you know, and and you know, we're friends. We can talk about a lot of things, and it's it's, and I don't think in any of those cases that either one of us has been one hundred percent right or one hundred percent wrong. I mean, there's always some gray area in there because right. it's like, okay, I see your point. But here's what here's here's my my side of it, and it's like yeah okay maybe you have a point too. So I just for myself I feel like a point of pride almost that I work to not I I I I strive to be as objective about something as I can. That doesn't mean that I agree with something, and I recognize that I have a maybe a passion or a or an, or a an automatic reaction to things. But it's often the automatic reaction and that passion that makes me recognize, hold on a second, I'm not thinking straight. So one that of doesn't the, mean I'm wrong. Right, though. right. So so one of the things that I've done over the years is I, I've loved to play devil's advocate. Oh, I love it, yeah. Yeah, in, in which case... that's a lot of why we're friends. Cause, right, right. Because we so, can both do it. Yeah, because you present something to me and I can go, well, all right, well, have you thought about this? And this situation and blah, blah, blah. And I bring topics up occasionally with people that I bring it up as though I agree one way, and the, and, but I disagree, but I bring it up just to see what will happen. And so I, I'll argue a case that I completely am on the other side of. I've, I've done that too. And, and I do that largely because... I'm I'm really debating with myself Correct. of whether or not Correct. I, and whether or not I I think I have the right belief. I'm already internally arguing. I'm just looking for another voice to add to the 87 that are in, in my head, ruminating through this debate of Am I right? No, wait, no. So it's it's I'm just looking for outside input to help me with my internal argument. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a, a, agreed. I'm I'm very much in that same way. Uh, although I will say, I mean, the last five six years have been really tough for that um, because of the extreme opinions of some people. Yeah, because it's like I. Okay, I see what you... Okay, yeah. So we're off in the politics side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and that... What what are you beating around the bush for, Bob? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's about politics. I mean... Yeah. I mean, look, I I grew up small town, country, pretty conservative... Well, I already know this because you and I have known each other. You're like, you voted Republican quite a few times. You considered yourself a Republican. Yes, I did. For many years. And so did I. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, people say you're going to get more conservative as you, as you get older. It's like, man, I'm getting more liberal the older I get. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, I, you yeah. know, I just kind of look at things as like, no, I I mean, I've made it. I want everybody else to make it, too. I almost feel like I'm being forced to be more liberal in the 
and I, I say that in the sense that conservatives seem to be getting so... I've always been close to middle, but conservatives <clears throat> excuse me, seem to be getting so far right mm-hmm. and extreme and that is pushing me it's 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 making me have to try to counterbalance that. <laughs> yes. Oh, I agree. I mean and and that that's very much my philosophy too. And don't get me wrong. The other the other side is true also. Uh, there there's a little bit of extreme liberalism that's happening right now that's that's driving me bats. Well, and and you're you're not wrong. I think our argument is against extremism. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean you know, back to the passion part. Like, just could we all just stop and think for a minute? You know, the, so I I think you know we'll, we'll say the Democratic Party in general is not in lockstep like the Republican Party because right now, I mean, there are very few Republicans that are willing to talk about you know talk bad about. Trump. Whereas there are plenty of Democrats that are going to be centrist and moderate Democrats and liberal Democrats, and they'll just like, no, I don't agree with that. I, I'll, I'm not going to lie with you. I think Biden is as almost as almost as bad a president as Trump. <laughs> I am. I am not. I don't think he is. I don't. I, I think he's one of the worst presidents. One of. <laughs> One of, one of the worst presidents we've had in 50 years. Whether that is, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. He's, he feels like a lame duck president. That's the best way I can put it. It feels like the last two years of a presidency with Biden. I, I can't disagree I'm with that. Not, I'm not driven inspired by this guy i he i mean even in the last election i mean his his claim to fame was i'm not trump that's it yeah now this isn't a try to crap on the guy no i, I mean i mean i i think and he, he's right he's not trump and trust I, me i, I think, was not I, happy with trump yeah i i think i think he i mean a i mean he was a senator for 30 years almost. Too long. Yeah, probably too long. I mean, honestly, I think... Lifetime politicians are a huge problem. Yeah. And I would say lifetime Supreme Court justices are probably a problem too. But that... that yeah, that, that, that's another that's another issue. I mean... Yeah, there's, there's lots of... There needs to be a check and balance in there. Yeah. And some would say the check and balance is... Well, if you understand government, that... You know they're appointed by the president, and that no, sorry, sorry, that does not work for me, and it shouldn't work for the other side either, because and and that really is the lesson in all government, really is careful what you're voting for to give power to your party, because if you make that rule, the opposite party could use that rule to fuck you over too. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and I will say certainly in our lifetime, and I could be totally wrong, but I think the the middle ground is something that has been lost because you know 
the the whole idea of like, well, you know, there's an old adage, you know, how how can you tell that that it was a good bill? Both sides hated it. You know, I mean, because somebody said, well, you know, I'm I'm willing to go this far, but yeah. I can't go that far, and the other side went, well, I can go this far, but not that far, and the, somewhere in the middle they met. The best. The best negotiation is when both parties leave unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the same thing. And and I think we've lost some of that. And, you know, you saw that in, um, oh, gosh, I forget what bill it is. But, you know, it was like, you know, most Democrats voted for it. Few voted against it for, for various reasons. But every single Republican voted against it. And it wasn't because they didn't agree with it. It was because they were told not to vote for it. Which, to me, is just crazy. It's like, our... You know, we can talk politics all night long. All it's going to do is make me mad. <laughs> yeah. It's... Which, is why, which is why I tend to avoid politics with people I don't know. Are we in a um, more divisive time than we've, than we've ever been? No, I would disagree, actually. It feels like it because we're living it. But I, we could go back, if we had a nice historian here with us, we could go back and find as, as flammable... Oh, I mean, 1930s, great example. I mean, yeah. you know, the 1930s, I mean, we were an isolationist country. Um, there were lots of people that were white supremacists. Yeah, I mean, I mean, whether whether they thought they were or not, that I mean, that was the policies that they believed in. Right, and it wasn't until we entered the war with Germany that you know we we changed our opinions. Not much, but we changed our opinions, and then it was bad to be those things. And I would say. 1950s with the Red Scare, same thing. I mean, and we go through phases on all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've always said it's been kind of a pendulum, and, you know, it'll it'll go the other direction. We may not like the things that happen in between that, that swing, but... The unfortunate part, the part that I worry about is is whatever it's going to take to bond us back together that we stand next to our fellow American that we still disagree with because we did do that. You know, our, our soldiers fought in world war two and, and, and there was still segregation that happened then, you know, mm-hmm. we, 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 I think there's one of the Tuskegee airmen left. And, uh, there was a reason that that group, <laughs> that, that the Tuskegee airmen had to exist or had to, that they existed was that separation, but they still, during World War II, there were still some people that we get to uh, Vietnam, Korea and Vietnam, and we start integrating. I know we're talking on the military right. level, but that's right. that's really where the government but the, makes it happen. But the GI Bill, <clears throat> GI Bill meant for vets to come back and be able to go to college and get you know, an education specifically forbid black men of doing that. Yeah. Black men were not eligible for the GI bill. Oh, uh, until, uh, Oh, the, probably the seventies. Yeah. It was sometime in the seventies. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it's a slow, 
it's a slow trudge forward towards it. However, I think I think that part of how we got there, part of how we've moved it forward, unfortunately, is through things like the Viet- Vietnam War. Men were in basic training, white guys, black guys, guys with red hair, Mexican guys, Indian guys, going through basic training together and depending on each other and coming home from that and saying, that black guy saved my life. And so maybe black guys aren't so bad. And that white guy wasn't racist to me during that war and saved my life. And maybe those white guys aren't so bad. Sure. You know, it's, 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 it's so slow. But I think that a whole lot of the world changed during that time. I worry what that is now. What that thing is that is going to bring us back together because it's unfortunately probably, I hate to be a pessimist, but it's probably going to be some sort of war. Possibly. And on the flip side of that, I think part of the reason why it feels so bad right now is because of COVID. We've been so isolated for two and a half years. And I think now we're just starting to get into this, the, in the, into the point where we just don't care. We're just going to mingle anyway. And, and, you know, hopefully, yeah, people that are vaccinated and boosted they they, they'll get COVID and it'll be mild. We're treating it like the flu. Right. Right. I mean, and we couldn't do that at first though. But what was, what was with, what was with it? It's not real. <laughs> And you're a Republican and I'm not going to wear a mask. And, oh my God, it's the realest, most scary thing ever. If, like, how did that fall down a party line? How did, how does everything become? uh, Yeah, well, I mean. I mean, it was, it was somewhat real. We've got a lot of people that died from it. Got a million people, a million Americans that died from it. Exactly. And we weren't the only ones dealing with it. In fact, we're the countries still in the all over the world are still on. Some of them are on are still on lockdown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how did that become divisive? I will. I will say that you know the 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 people in power didn't want to admit that there was a problem because because it makes them look bad. I mean, to me, it's like, it's a freaking emergency. But I almost say the, I would, I would almost, if I was in power, for example, I would, I would almost say, this is my moment to shine. In Exa- other words, exactly. there is a problem and let's win the problem. I know, I don't right? That. Yeah, I know. It, it's, it's a, um, nope, it, there's no dirt on the floor. I've swept it all under the rug and now we're going to trip on the lump. Yeah. You I, know, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't get it. Um, it was, you know, trying to, trying to own the libs, trying to, you know, ignore the problem. I mean, it was happening to blue states early and it's like, you know, you don't, I mean, you guys are not understanding how, how a pandemic works. Well, look, there's always been, uh, uh, always been, but there, uh, even, I, I bet before the United States even existed, there's always been a fight between, Urban and rural. Always. Always. You know, we can go back to London 
and the people in England and and, and people living out in the little villages compared to the people living in London, which was like, you know, the the most uh, technologically advanced city in the 16 and 1700s. And, and there was a problem then. There's literature out there with the problem between the city man and the, and the country man. Well, and that's almost where it feels like today is still this tribalism this this is what i identify myself as and anything different than that is a threat so to who i am right so i'm going to recommend another podcast ologies by ali ward ologies ologies and it's it's like name a science and there's an ology for it but okay. yeah so so <laughs> That's pretty good. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, she's a phenomenal person. Highly recommend her. I, I've listened to every podcast for the last two years, okay, maybe even three. And you know, wide range of topics. Sometimes it's like, oh, these are great topics. Other times, like, eh, I don't care. So I just, yeah. I just delete it. And no big deal. But she interviewed a couple people that didn't uh, that wrote about the nineteen eighteen pandemic two years before this pandemic started. And they nailed it. They nailed the response because oh, the, oh, how people were going to respond. Yeah, because because right. even in 1918, they realized early on that you know being outside was helpful, and wearing masks were helpful, and you can see city by city on how well they did. Kansas City um, went through a couple waves. It's like, you know, it got really bad. They locked it down. Things got better. They opened up. It got bad again. They locked it down. Um, Kansas City was one of the worst ones. I think St. Louis was much better. They locked it down early and did all these things. Uh, Pittsburgh, I think, was was pretty good. But uh, Philadelphia was not. So, the, I mean, so I mean, it was almost, a, almost exactly the way this played out. You know, there, there are people that... It's not that bad. It's just a flu. Just get over it. We're not going to give up our lives for right. for this virus. And there are other people like, no, I got, I got people I'm taking care of that I that I can't allow. I mean, I can't get sick. My my parents can't get sick right. because we're just going to die. Yeah. And by the way, I'll do a plug for the the World War One Museum here in Kansas City because. It's phenomenal because they actually have a whole exhibit about the the Spanish flu, right? Which maybe started in Manhattan, Kansas, at Fort Riley. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, so there was there were some diary entries um, at the time where Fort Riley was getting ready to send soldiers over to, to, Europe, to Europe for World War One, and uh, just a massive bunch of them were sick and down and couldn't muster and all that. And as soon as they went over, everybody there got sick. So it's quite possible that Fort Riley was the the patient zero, as it were. Right. And why we called it the Spanish flu is very much a, a racist thing because, you know, we had to blame it on somebody. There's, okay, so that, maybe we disagree on that. But that's actually something that annoyed me is we really have named them from where they come for the longest time. We're talking about 1918 when it was the Spanish flu, but I don't even know that it was a racist thing at that time. It's 
Well, I mean, I mean, that's just what I've heard. I mean, right. I, I don't know I'm just how the I got... ease of ease of saying. Well, but you know, but, this is where we first think it came from, right? And then it just catches. I don't think somebody's like, you know, what we should do, rubbing their hands together, and well, you but, know, but it, but it's easy to um, to say it's the other. I mean, you know, obviously there are a lot of people in the country that want to call it the China flu. Well, I was ready for Wuhan. I felt like it rolled off the tongue, like Wuhan flu. <laughs> like it just. Well, but 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 it's, I'm not saying I, I wasn't saying it to. Yeah. I'm saying it's it's but but it's it just where everybody. we thought it came from. Sure. It's. It it would be like, if we if we, for us if 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 it just affected Kansas, and it came from. Wamigo, Kansas, which is where my in laws live. The Wamigo flu. You would just call it that. You know what? No one outside of Kansas would know that. They'd just call it the Kansas flu. <laughs> well, but then they'd call it the Kansas flu. Or, well, okay, but now the WHO has this whole, you know, naming convention, which is, you know, was it the cars? Co- I mean, whatever it is. I mean, I mean... The people that were complaining that it was like, oh, what happened to COVID 1 through 18? It's like, come on, man. Yeah, I mean, that's, think about it. What? <laughs> no, that's what they, that's what they were saying. I mean, if it, it's like COVID, it found, they, 2019 was one of his first identified. Yes. <sighs> I know. People. I mean, people are stupid. I mean, bottom line. And I, and I don't claim to be the smartest person in the world, but you know I try and read multiple sources and right. And but we're not saying flu eighteen seventy one or uh, it's whenever we first recognized the flu, but but maybe they did then. I don't know. I, it's Probably before, not. It's we're, before, we're, it's we, before our lifetime, so I know it's just I just that one I that one I I feel like it was a stretch by. By people who wanted to find another way to attack. Sure. Another tribalism thing where it's like, this this is one I actually was disagreeing with the liberal side of the argument where uh, China, it came from China. It's the Chinese flu. You know, it's, it's, you know what? It, it did. Whether it came from a bat or a lab, like we know it originated in China. I mean, that's just well, but okay, but but I will I'm say. I'm just saying, stop trying to put the spin on it. That's it, it's right? The, but but the problem is, you call it the Chinese flu. There are always going to be some jerks <sighs> that are going to, you know, go up to somebody of Asian descent. I agree, and and uh, verbally at a minimum attack them. I agree, at a maximum. Physically assault them. I agree. But unfortunately, I cannot completely change my language all the time for idiots. Or I am just going to have to be careful with everything that comes out of my mouth. Because some idiot can take it and twist it however they want to fit their agenda to be an asshole or be violent. I just, I, know, I get so I know. tired of the lowest common denominator. Well, that's very much what happens around the world. I is, know. Is we go for the lowest common denominator. But we, 
Why do we have to limit so much because of the lowest common denominator? I speed limits. This is this is one I want. One of my ugh, drives me crazy on this topic. The speed limit is what it is because we have to take the worst car that's legally able to drive on the street along with the worst driver to drive on that street. Sure. And we make the speed limit what it is because of that. Even though cars and most drivers are probably capable of doing faster speeds. Sure. I don't disagree with you. I will I will put I will put the <laughs> in the same light um weapons. Okay. So so every driver in the world, well, in our country, has to go through a driver's exam. Right. And yet we still have drivers that are freaking idiots and don't obey the laws and are not good drivers. And so and for the most part, it's not a lethal environment, but it can be. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, so, and we force them to have insurance so that, you know, if they get in an accident, you know, there's, you know, they're covered. Actually, Bob, there's probably, I mean, I, we could look it up, but there's probably a lot more car deaths than there are gun deaths. And this isn't me. That, that would be an interesting, be, actually, it's an interesting question. We, we but, should look that up. Yeah, but yeah. we should. <laughs> but, 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 the, but. I will apply the same thing to weapons because now there's this big push for, for concealed carry without a license. I mean, so, so there are states now that have no licensing for any weapon whatsoever. Missouri is, uh, I believe you can conceal carry without a license. Kansas, I think you still have to have a license to conceal carry. I but so. I do know that Missouri and Kansas, and, and, I, and I bring up Missouri and Kansas because we're in Kansas City, so right. we're a border town, but um, both states are open carry without a license. So technically, you can walk with a holster on your hip. Yep, uh, I've seen it plenty of times. I actually, where we used to live, there was a guy who came into the convenience store that was near our house all the time, and I remember the first time I saw at first, I thought the guy maybe was an off-duty police oh, officer or something, mm-hmm. and no, he wasn't. But that guy, I saw him there many other times, but always had like a like a little three eighty on his hip in a holster. And there were police officers at that convenience store that I asked them. I, I said, "Hey, look, I'm not." And just so you know, I'm I, and I think you know this. I'm I'm still a I'm a gun owner. I sure. I have weird views about guns, but I asked the police officers, I said, so, like, it's okay to just have a gun on your hip. And they were like, because this convenience store was in Missouri, even though I was lived in Kansas. Mm-hmm. It was like a 30-second walk from my house. I was right yeah. on the state line. But And they said, yeah, yeah, Missouri is an open carry state. And they actually, and I knew that about Kansas, but they, they said, and so was Kansas. I, oh, I knew that about Kansas. I said, just didn't know Missouri was an open carry yeah, so so I mean, I have, actually I have, have great respect for gun owners that that get training and all that. It's it's the people that that think they deserve to carry a weapon for this without any training. I mean, okay. because I I look at it this way. I mean, I I mean I I grew up around guns, so no big deal. But yeah. but 
every time you pick up a weapon, you have to assume that it is loaded and it is lethal. Correct. And that's the problem I have because many people don't think about it. It's like, oh, this is, you know, I'm just going to carry it because I'm, it, it, I'm not saying it right. It's the, yeah, this is, yeah, this is the joys of having, having three drinks. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, it's, it's the, you know, I have no problem with a weapon because every, Except for the fact that if you are going to carry a weapon, you have to consider the fact that you are willing to point it at a person to defend yourself and potentially shoot others. Or others, yeah. I mean, so, and that is a massive responsibility. I mean, it's it's like getting behind the wheel of a car when you're drunk and driving down the, the interstate at 80 miles an hour. The potential is there to kill people. Now, we've spent an awful lot of time and effort in this country to make people not drink and drive. People still do it, but, you know, it's not nearly as bad as, as it was. Well, maybe it's still bad. I don't know. But you don't see as many drunk driving accidents. But I would say, and and remember our whole devil's advocate conversation, which I'm actually somewhere in between on this one, but I would say that cars and drunk driving are not in the Constitution. (laughs) However, the second, that is the number two (laughs) amendment to our Constitution, is directly related to guns and gun ownership. Sure. Now, that doesn't mean... Trust me, man. I'm a Second Amendment guy. However, it needs fixed. I am am a firm believer that all of the rights enshrined in the Constitution have limits. Correct. Because you can't have unfettered free speech. And somehow the Second Amendment has become this... You can't restrict it at all, right? And that is that is the part that that is the part that I think you and I can agree on. Sure. Okay. And I don't think you're an anti-gun guy, but I'm not. I'm but not. but I but I do feel that you would uh, restrict it more than I would, for example. In fact, I'm sure of it by, from what I'm going to tell you here in a minute. But, well, yeah. I mean, I I think there are some common sense laws that could go into effect that would potentially, you know, and I'm not saying in any absolutes, but, you know, I I think most, I think many people are behind, like, doing registration, uh, 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 background checks on all weapon purchases. Right. It's like, you know, if you're a terrorist, if if you've beaten up your girlfriend, you know, probably not a good idea you're getting a gun. Maybe a good idea to limit high capacity magazines. Maybe yeah. You know I mean, I'm I'm willing to say there's great so areas. So I was with you that. on one of those and not with you on the other. Okay, that's that's fine. But but the, unfortunately, the debate is now you we as a as a country cannot do any gun regulation. I know it's it it's it's silly to me that there aren't 
more rules. Like you mentioned, you got to get a license to drive a car. Got to get insurance to get a car. All this, all of these things, just, you know, car is one example. <laughs> it's, it, we do need to have some more regulation around guns. We do need to require, you have to, you have to have driver training before you can get a license. And go through a test. And go through a test to get it. Why is that a problem for guns? I don't see why that should be a problem for guns. Because if, I mean, what is the argument against that? What is the, if, I'm, I guess we could look it up, but what is the argument against that? Because it's it's my God-given right. Well, but, but, I mean, that, but that, if you can't pass a test for a gun... I know. I mean, that's that's my point. If you can't, some guy says, some guy says, no, don't matter if you can pass. Uh, why am I talking with this accent? But <laughs> it doesn't matter if you can pass a test to have a gun. You should just have a gun. And I say, it does matter if you can't pass a test because I don't know if you're illiterate. I don't know if you uh, maybe have special needs. I maybe you maybe you. You might not have the wherewithal. Do, do, is your Abdullah Oblongata connected correctly? Yeah. Why? What is the argument against if we test people to see if they're capable of using this correctly? Yeah. I, what is the what is the argument against that? I, How do you argue against that? However. Now that takes me to my point that you're going to go, no, no, no. I think that there should be levels of those tests. And my argument goes to our reason for the Second Amendment, which is not hunting. It is not mentioned in the Second Amendment. Right. It's, okay. It's which militia. is the straight to, yeah, it is a well-established, well-regulated. Well-regulated. Doesn't that sound like testing? Yes. Okay. A and and it, it has nothing to do with hunting or sport. None of it's mentioned in there. It yeah. all has to do with defending yourself against a tyrannical government. government. Yeah. Abroad and within. I think I got those words wrong, but True. same same difference. Yeah. So I argue that we should, as a populace, because I'm going to tell you, you can't go out and buy a, a tank, an M1 Abrams tank with, well, you could probably buy the tank, but you can't buy the ammo for it. Right. Essentially, it's just a rolling gun. And the government has tanks. Correct? Yeah. The government has jets. Yes, we could do massive mass destruction with those. However, we should have level testing for that, showing that you're sane enough to own it, showing that you are capable of using it correctly. So if it is to defend yourself against uh, enemies foreign and abroad... Shouldn't you, as a citizen, be able to own the same weapons that your government or other governments 
have. Well, and that would be the argument that people that are that are for unrestricted access will give you. I mean, but I agree. I I, think I can't defend myself against the government with the strongest, largest magazine gun that I can buy. I cannot do it. Well, but but okay, they have that, superior technology, right? But in the, the gun. But the the argument uh, here, I am playing devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so the argument would be is that there are more of us than that are in the government, in the Correct. military, and all that. So so that is the argument for for having as large but a weapon. three military guys in an M four A one Abrams tanker. I may be getting that term wrong. Can take out 3,000 of us standing sure. here with our AR-15s. Right. Uh, not denying that one at all. But, you know, I, but I also think that, uh, you know, Ukraine has been a, uh, a pretty interesting uh, example of how a low-tech response can uh, – be effective against a larger force. Dude, our country won the revolution because of that same tactic. Oh, yeah. The British the British army was a superior, best in the world and we used guerrilla tactics. They were getting angry. They're like, why are they running around everywhere? You know, and it's well, they're I, not standing in formation. How are we to fight them? Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I, I had a, 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 a American history professor in college. She's like, so the Americans are like, okay, so you're going to stand up in a field in a bright red uniform <laughs> with a white shirt underneath. I've been hunting in a row. Yeah, in a row. <laughs> and I've been hunting deer with this musket, which is only good for plus or minus 10 meters. And the deer are the same color as the yeah. hillside. Yeah. yeah. And you're going to stand there? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but yeah. But <laughs> my argument is half half true. It, it's it's a little bit devil's advocate in the sense that if it's against to, to stand up as a people against our uh, tyrannical government, whether foreign or abroad, then why are we not allowed? Why aren't we not allowed to to have as big a weapon as they do? This is the rub that I bring up. It's it's almost my whole argument of maybe we should regulate what we have maybe we should be protecting well our you know some guy with a large capacity magazine can definitely walk into a school mm-hmm. speaking of this week or mm-hmm. uh or 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 a, a doctor's grocery. office just as of yesterday and Tulsa or a grocery store last week or a grocery store or yeah. a church or a and you name it and what are we we're at we're over like 200 mass shootings and that's more than one a day for the year. Okay. I know, and and to me, that's that's the argument. For, I'm in agreement. Something has to be done. Yeah, something has to be done. And but taking those guns away and limiting the magazines, I don't think is the answer. I actually don't. Well, okay, so so I'll agree with that because I I know enough gun owners that are responsible and. 
Um, Almost every, in fact, you probably don't know any that aren't. You said a lot. All of, I would argue that all of the gun owners you know are responsible. You've never met my cousins. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) And, and, And I say that, you know... I'll take that back. Even they're <laughs> even they're reasonable with with their stuff, but um, but I I sort of agree that there needs to be some. I mean, I did I totally disagree with the people that go oh, anybody should have a gun if they want one. No, you should qualify for it. You should have insurance for it. You should have repeated training for it just to make sure that insurance. Can, Definitely. Yeah. And there and, should be gun insurance the same as there's car insurance. Yeah. And and I think the technology is there now that you could make a gun uh bio uh yeah centric. I mean I'm saying it wrong, but you know it, it, Where it, only the owner can use it. And, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Now we're talking about all old guns can't I know, be used. I know. We're you know we got we got more guns than we have people in this country. So even if we made that law today that any new gun had to be biocompatible or whatever, still going to take you back to World War Two, and why the Japanese were so afraid to do what they did. I mean, there's a little bit of an argument there. Sure, I have to take a pee. I have to take a break. We're an hour and 40 in. All right. And we're back from break. It was a little bit of an extra long break because uh, I had to pee so bad. That took a while. But uh, Hudson had a pretty big diaper, which uh, was good. It was a BM. And uh, those are very important in this house. So... Yeah, I think they're important in everybody's houses, just maybe a little <laughs> bit more in yours. <laughs> yeah, when, when we miss a day or two, it, it uh, things get a little complicated. But this has been awesome, man. I'm so glad to be just sitting here having a good conversation, but actually saving it for posterity. But I think I think you were like, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know after after three drinks, I'm still kind of wondering how I feel about this, and you know after I listen to it, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> no, but, it, but no, it's fun. I, uh, you know, gosh, it's been forever since we've talked and, you know, that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, you were talking drawbacks earlier. That's one of the things I miss, you know, it's like, I miss having my immediate circle of friends. I miss playing in the mandolin orchestra. I miss my Saturday jam group. Um, I even miss my, well, I, I don't really miss it cause we're, we're meeting on zoom, but my, science fiction fantasy readers group that meets here in Kansas city. Um, you know, I mean, it's the connections that, that you make are important. And I feel like I'm drifting away from them, even though we're back in Kansas city a lot and they get to still jam with people and all that. So it's tough. I mean, it's, I mean, it's like missing a couple, couple or a few episodes of your favorite TV show. And, not going back and watching him, trying to get caught up at that point, you know? Yeah. You're like, I still kind of know what's going on. I know who the characters are, but I I don't know about that backstory because you tend to know things as they go through time with your friends. Yeah, and and gosh, we rolled into town uh, a week ago Saturday, and, you know, it's just every day has been 
seeing somebody going out doing something, doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, and and all this other stuff. And it's there's got to be a point where you told Carol, you know, it's been nice, but I'm kind of ready to get back on the road. There's got to be. I know there has. Oh yeah, I, I'm kind of <laughs> at that point. We're leaving. We're leaving on Sunday, and I'm already like. Yeah, that's I been I'm, a lot of peopling. Yeah, I, uh, so I'm an introvert, you know. Exactly. So, so, so yeah, I mean, all the peopling is is uh, is tough sometimes, and and it doesn't help matters any that two weeks ago our company had our first get together in two years down in Austin. Oh, so you know, what, so the company's based in Austin. Oh, uh, actually, the company's has no base whatsoever. Oh, okay. So we're all virtual. Okay. But we finally got together for the first I mean, I started this job the week lockdown started in the US. I remember that, yeah. And uh you know, so I've met everybody on Zoom and it's not nearly the same thing as being in person. So yeah. I mean last you're week taller we're, than I thought. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or you're short you're shorter than you thought or than <laughs> right. I thought. And then there's a few people that are like, oh man, you're way more loud and than I expected. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we have a lot of former military and former law enforcement people that, that work for us. Okay, and, yeah. Right. And just by the nature of the software that we're, we're writing. But, uh, but yeah, for the first time in two years, we got together. And, you know, I've been asking for it for a year because it's just like, you know. Hey, last year, yeah, we were close enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't help matters any that the month before, we were in Woodward, Oklahoma, having a jam session, and you know we had twenty-seven people there, and fifteen of us caught COVID. <laughs> you know, I mean, and to be there, we had to be vaccinated and boosted, right? And then you know, several people bought brought tests, and sure enough, one guy came in and was feeling. You know, we all arrived Thursday night, and Friday morning he took the test and immediately isolated, but the damage is already done at that point. It's almost another example of. We, we've got to get on with our lives and you were all careful and it still happened. And we can't just, we can't just be in our houses all the time. Sure. Like society just can't move on that way. We, we, we need to be careful. We need to protect, but what? we need to, but we need to protect everyone as a whole, by actually getting back to running the world. Sure. Well, I mean, you can appreciate this. I mean, Dominic had virtual school for, what, probably close to two years? Well, it was, it was all of, of uh, 2020. And, yeah, we went, we went into 2021. They went back to school in fall of 21. So it was a, it was a year straight. Right. And, and so timing wise, it worked out, you know, I, yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, my robotics mentor or robotics sponsor at school, um, you know, she said, someone's at the front door. (laughs) Just a moment. I, uh, let me go get that really quick and kick Dominic outside to play really quick. Sorry. All right. Sorry, Bob. That's okay. Had to, Dominic's friend was at the front door and I had to kick him out to go play again so you were saying you were at the robotics so sure so so my robotics sponsor um who's the teacher at shauna mission northwest um said that this year um they've had more fights than than in all of her tenure and that 
like seniors are acting like sophomores, sophomores. Oh, at the high school, not in the robotics team. Right, right, right. But okay. in general. Okay. Oh, yeah, no, it's okay. I was like, wow, the robotics team? Okay. No, no, yeah. no. So at so, the school. Yeah. And, and she just goes, every kid is, oh, most kids are two years developmentally stunted because they haven't had that social interaction for two years. Right. And, and I will say that, yeah, for everybody listening, I was a robotics mentor for 13 seasons, which is a long time. Yeah. Um, my, my kid went through from elementary school all the way through high school and, and I kept doing it after she graduated and it makes me feel good. She's been doing, and she still does it. Yeah, yeah. She's still doing it. So, um, this is great, but last year we, we didn't have any in-person tournaments, but we had at home, uh, things and those kids were just dying to do something. I mean, they came in and they're like, whatever we need to do, whatever it is, we'll do it because they're so bored. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know what it's like to, to spend two, three hours a day in a video meeting. It's like, I can't imagine doing that for eight hours a day. Well, it's, you know, Casey is an introvert. And that's why I love her for a while. <laughs> she was so happy with, with the lockdown, but she was, I mean, it was less than a month and a half and she was itching to mm-hmm. socialize. Even, you know, I, I'm a pretty extreme introvert. Yes. It doesn't occur when I'm, I'm one-on-one right. or in very small groups, but right. um, even I was like, you know what? I'm ready to see some people. Yeah. And it wasn't long, you know, our little music jam group, we rented, you know, we all had our RVs and we went out to Clinton Lake and there might have been 20 of us. And it was so much fun because we were finally together and we were all outside playing because we just hadn't done that. And it, you know. It's just so, how do we, how do you explain what is it about human interaction that's so important to us. I mean, it's obviously in our DNA. It's obviously from our evolution. Sure. It, it, it's, it is that tribal piece, but unfortunately that's like we were talking about earlier, part of what's dividing us too. What, what is it about the tribal part that is, is that the core of our, of, of humanity? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, what makes us human? You know, what makes us human is, is A, wanting to gather in groups. Right. And, yeah, part of that is we want to we wanna be with our tribe. Now, I would say that my tribe is musicians, a lot of artists, a lot of programmers. And what's what's been cool over the years is that the musician and the programmers have often overlapped. I was going to say they're definitely overlapping. Right, and but it makes sense because when you think about it, you know, programmers are looking at code, which is a different language. Music, same thing, you know, yeah. and and you know, just like in music, there are certain patterns that Correct. do. Uh, uh, no, they're they're God, an they're, arpeggio they're, or they're whatever. They're so so similar. Yeah, yeah, we do the same thing with coding, and and I look at coding as being putting a puzzle together, and music's kind of the same way. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean it's. It's very cool, but it's been a rough couple of years. That's all I got to say. It's just why are we so afraid of the of the other tribe? 
that that's different than us, you know. That well, that's how we get tribal is we 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 get in with people like us. But why are we throwing so many rocks, you know, or you know at these other tribes because when you get down to it, if you look at the inner workings of this tribe and then you go to the you go and study the inner workings of that tribe, they all work the same. Right, and and they're almost <laughs> identical in every part. It's like, we love blue. And this one's, we love the color red. Well, okay, so, so I will say that travel is one of the things that defeats that. Well, that's, that's Samuel Clemens. Right, but, but I've been throughout the southeast for the last nine months. So say, yo, yo, you've been deep in... Deep in the heart. Deep in the red country. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, for the most part, everybody are... And a lot of RVers are pretty conservative, too. Yeah, yeah. And I think it does you well that you have been conservative for a good portion of your life, too. Sure. But, you know, but, you know... For, but I would say you're a pretty obvious liberal. <laughs> No, I, you know, I, I can, I can, I can be a conservative. You can chameleon a little yeah, bit. I yeah, I can chameleon a little bit. And look, you know, I mean, with people I don't know, I'm going to play it pretty safe. You know, I'm not going to reveal much. Yeah, chocolate's delicious. Yeah, chocolate's delicious. Did you see that show last week? Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. You know, and you can go, where, <laughs> you know, where you been, what's your favorite campgrounds and all that. You know, it's when you, when you drive up to a campground and they've got, Let's go, Brandon, in big bold letters. Yeah, going into it um, makes you wonder. So, so my dad ran a gas station for for a number of years, and you know, I grew up in a small town. So, you know, I would freely admit this now. I probably, well, I'm sure I said some pretty racist bullshit back in the day. You know, because I didn't know any. No, any I was literally going to say you didn't know any better when you were a kid. Right. So. I didn't know any better. And I remember my dad telling me one time, and I probably said something stupid. Don't remember the exact what it was, but he's like, you know what? I don't, the only color I care about is the green that they give me. Yeah. And I've, I've taken that to heart. And, you know, I've, I've lived in Hong Kong for a year where I worked on the new Hong Kong airport. You know, I worked with every nationality that you can imagine. And, we were all away from our families. We'd, we'd work all day. We'd go out to the bars and discotheques and restaurants at night and just mingle. And we'd talk. And it was great getting other people's perspective. I've been to Nigeria. I mean, where, you know, it's the only place in the world where I've been the minority. I walk into a room and I'm the only white guy. What a what a earth shattering experience. Well, not earth shattering, but what a wonderful experience that was because it's such a different experience. You know, I've been all over Europe, and and, and you know, these are the things that I wish most Americans could do. I mean, I have relatives that live ninety minutes from Chicago that have literally never been downtown, and it's they such they. they, they they live in the Chicago area. Yeah, I mean... And they've not been to downtown Chicago. Yes. Yeah, right. That's... I can't even fathom 
the microcosm, living in the microcosm, you know? Yeah. It's, but, but this is small town America. I mean, uh, it drives me, it drives me crazy in my life that, that I will more than likely never get to leave this planet. And to know that, that I have family members that just live in the sticks. My aunt, I, I think she has plumbing now, but whenever I went to stay with my aunt, had an outhouse. She didn't want to be anywhere near the city. She's never been to my house. She loves me, sends me a birthday card every year. It's a wonderful 82-year-old woman, but does not want anything to do with the city unless she has to go to the hospital. Sure. And it's insane to me that you would... And, and she's always lived within the same kind of 60-mile bubble mm-hmm. of small-town America. I don't get that at I, all. I don't either. Uh, and, and I mean... the, the That doesn't ca- mean I'm wrong, though. That's the problem with my brain. Well, I mean, I grew up in a town of a thousand people. Maybe it's bliss. Well, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> I mean, yes. And, I mean, I... Mean, I Purpose. I know what this is, and that I'm not afraid because I know what to expect here. Sure, I mean, I I purposely went to Chicago for school for uh, for college to s- experience something completely different. And where are you from, Bob? By the uh, way, Northern Illinois. Northern so, Illinois. So okay. I mean, at the time, it was about ninety minutes away from downtown Chicago. I could, okay. I could, I could go from school, which is on the side, right near Comiskey park. Hour and a half outside of Chicago. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, I know people that, you know, like relatives never been there, but anyway, um, I went to Chicago for the experience and it literally changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went the other way for call. Well, I went to Juco and then, sure. College just wasn't for me, but I went from, and now I went from Topeka, Kansas, which is no metropolis. However, it is still a city. Sure. At least. And went to a JUCO in Ark City, Kansas, which I think the population is maybe 10,000 people. I mean, pretty small. I've been there. It's pretty small. Yeah. It's pretty small. And lived in small town for two years and realized that is absolutely not for me. Um, but it's just, I don't, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 to me, the, the whole living in a small town and, and I've got nothing wrong with living in a small town, but if you're living in a small town and you're not visiting other places, then, then you're definitely living in a bubble that is not reality. Yeah, you, you're you're literally changing your brain, uh, programming your brain to be a certain way, mm-hmm. and it is not going to be capable of understanding the universe. And right now, the only universe you can touch is this ball we're on. Yeah, <laughs> you can't get off of it. So you're. I'm not asking you to. Understand the thermal dynamics of of the third moon of Jupiter, or how to understand. You can find a small village in China and a small town in K 
Kansas, and they're going to be v- more similar than they're different right. from each other. And that was that was what I learned in both Hong Kong and Nigeria is that we are more alike than we are different. However, <laughs> the people living in the cities are probably more different than the people living in the small towns See, than I, the small town people are from the other small town people on the other side of the world, which is so crazy to think of. I, see, I, I disagree with that because I've, yeah. I've lived in Chicago, lived in Hong Kong. Hong Kong, crazy big. teeny tiny town have you lived in? <laughs> I lived in a town of a thousand people. Oh, okay. You grew up in the t- teeny yeah. tiny town. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, my graduating class was 48 people. Wow, you got me beat. I went, yeah, I, I thought, I think we had 68 in ours. Yeah, and ours was a big class. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, is there, I mean, people get up in the morning, they eat breakfast, they go to work. I mean, it's all the same. It's just, it's just a matter of the differences. I mean, in Chicago... Yeah, I'd get up and I'd walk to the train station. I'd take the train to work. I'd go to work, do my do my thing, go eat lunch, go back to work, take the train back home, and and still turn on the TV at night and read a book, whatever. You do the same thing in town, except you drive twenty minutes, and you know, it's it's all the same. I mean, this is this is the thing. It's all the same. It's just a different. A, but a, it's still different, Bob. Yeah. Like, my friend Jason lives in Manhattan, New York, mm-hmm. not Kansas. Grew up there. His parents have lived in this high-rise building that he grew up in. And he still lives there because it's so expensive. Sure. To, you know, and of course he has his own space and all that, but... He, he's been able to just, well, actually, he's had to take the elevator to his home every day. Whereas I just walk out my front door my entire life. I've never lived in, I guess I live in an apartment that I walked out the door and had to go downstairs one flight, for example. But, yeah, but, but still, but it's, it's, it's a completely, I can't, look, I don't think I could live in New York City unless I was... I would love to live in New York City. However, I would need to be a multi-multi-millionaire to enjoy it. I can't imagine what it is to just be but, but you could. working for the oh. local convenience store and, and you grew up there and that's, that's your life. And, and how mind-blowing it must be for... I keep trying to convince my friend Jason to please come stay with me for a week in Kansas City, and I want to drive you out to the middle of the Flint Hills and show you where there is absolutely nothing. Sure. <laughs> for I mean, as far as you can see. Right. And and I, I would encourage you... Because <laughs> I've been to New York. Do, do, okay, you've been to New York. Yeah. I mean, I've had, I've had friends from cities come to Kansas City, and you just go, all right, I'm going to take you here, 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 because these are the highlights... And, you know, at least two of those are going to be barbecue places, you know, yeah. because that's what you do in Kansas City. But you City. visit, you're not going to get the experience of what it is to live there. Right. And that, but that's all, that's really tough unless you're going to spend a couple of weeks in a spot. Right. Yeah. I mean, 
this is a beautiful thing about the RVing that I'm doing right now. It's like <laughs> we are in places that I would never f- go visit. I mean, it just it just wouldn't be on a radar. But but you're about to do the warmer weather side of your travel. Right north. Right, yeah, we're 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 about ready to head into so you've Michigan, been south of that Mason Dixon line for a while. <laughs> yes, and I and I will say this as as growing up a, as a northerner, I am ready for northern people again. Right, um, I have nothing against southern people, but you know, man, northern people are just a, they're just they just are different in the way they were raised. Yeah, yeah, and Kansas right on that edge, you know, because. Because there's plenty of people that act southern, and there's plenty of people that act northern. There's there's not much. I mean, there's not really much in between. I used to work with a guy that his whole life, born and raised Topeka, Kansas, spoke with an Oklahoma accent. I know. Grew right? up like how the hell does that ten happen? blocks from me? And I, you know, I'm like Greg. Why do you have an Oklahoma accent? You are from here. You grew. We, we grew up in the same place. Yeah, I, I know. I, I don't get that one either. I yeah. mean, I, yeah, we have some relatives that are like that too. It's like <laughs> you grew up in the same household. Your sister talks. I'll, I'll say northern, but yeah, but you talk you talk southern. How does how the hell does that happen? <laughs> but but I will say that you know when I first first came down to Kansas City, my nickname was Chicago Bob. Okay. Because, you know, how you doing? You know, it's like I had that Chicago accent. And now when I go back home and talk to my relatives, they're like, you talk Southern. I'm like, no, no, I'm not Southern. I just talk Kansas City now. Yeah. Yeah, you throw out the occasional y'all and, and <clears throat> yeah, they think that's Southern. But, man, we were definitely in some rural, rural places this, uh, this I'll spring. I'll bet. I mean, you yeah. came through, like, Alabama and Mississippi. No, actually, actually, we skip one. Yeah, we did. We did uh, uh, the Panhandle, Florida. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Southern Georgia again. And then as we got further north, it was fine. You know, Atlanta was fine. You know, uh, I have my own opinions of Stone Mountain, but you know, I mean, because it's celebrating the Confederacy. It's like that's that's where they have the. Like the Confederate Rushmore or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like I uh, I appreciate the beauty of the place. I'm not necessarily sure about the what they're trying to celebrate, but great, great campground. Uh, And then we went through Pigeon Forge, which is near Gatlinburg, and then Little Rock, and then Hot Springs, and you know those are all all nice places, and you know I had no problems with them. So. But again, you know, every place has its own little charm. You know, we were in the, the crappiest campground in Georgia, and they had this wonderful barbecue place three minutes away from the campground. Yeah, you, you pull up Yelp, and you're like, oh, you know, let's see if there's a good restaurant in the area. And you go, hmm, five-star barbecue place. And you start reading it, and it's like, hmm. I'm from Kansas City. You know, I'll take this challenge. Yeah. And then you go I'll there. I'll be the judge of this. Yeah, I'll be the judge <laughs> of this. And you go there and you're like, this is pretty freaking good. You know, and we yeah. ate there a couple times. So nice. it's literally just a little shack on the side of the road. It's almost always where the best barbecue is. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we were the, in. The crappier the joint. But it really wasn't a crappy place. It was, it's, what I mean is. You know, you know what I'm saying is that 
Like here, the Oklahoma Joe's is the big family. Well, it used to be Oklahoma, Kansas City Joe's yeah, now. Yeah, it's but always going to be It's Oklahoma in a gas Joe's. station. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of the name of the ladies that are over here in KCK. And, I mean, it's a shack. Yeah. But there is a... Well, it's like LC. Quarter mile line. Yeah, LC's out by the stadium. Another one of those. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's in a shitty neighborhood, and you would never want to go there after about 8 o'clock. Right. But, you know, the barbecue is to die for, although I think LC died, so I'm not sure if oh. he's still around or not. But, but anyway, we were there one after a Chiefs game, and, you know, there were Chargers fans just streaming into the place <laughs> with their gear on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we, we were in... Um, uh, somewhere in, in northern North Carolina. Um, but anyway, Halifax, North Carolina, is was maybe five miles away. And we just happened to find it on Yelp. And it was like, well, okay, it's got good ratings. Best meal we had had in months. Oh, and, nice. you know, and, and Halifax is one of those really old cities. And, you know, the, the restaurant happened to be in this old... Um, hardware store it had some of the old shelving still in it and we were like how the hell did we not find this two months ago because we were three months in that area and best meal ever yeah well best meal in that area but you know and that's that's been the fun thing too is like trying to find a good spot to eat i mean we're foodies we love food okay and again i'm gonna re-mention it in case you forgot on sunday i told you yes you guys have got to go to, to Lula. Lula, my neighbor's restaurant. Yep, L U L A, downtown Kansas City. I suspect we might go there Friday. You, if you, if I message you in three weeks and say, "How was the Lula?" Because I, I'm not gonna have to because you're gonna because you're gonna message me when you get done. You're gonna go. God damn, that was good. <laughs> Honestly. Well, so so Carol was... Worried. I'll know you didn't go because you're not going to... So, so Carol was skeptical when, when she was like, oh, a southern restaurant, because we just came out of the south. And I was like, eh, just look at the menu. Yeah. Because it looks interesting. Yeah. And she was like, oh, this does. So it, is, it, is, it is next level. And for anyone not from Kansas City coming through, you've got to go to this place. It is not because it's my neighbor's restaurant. In fact, I had... I, I love him, and the restaurant that we used to go to that he ran was amazing, but I kind of wanted to have low expectations. Sure. It, it's and better to have low expectations going into a restaurant. Bob, a bit, since he opened it, I God, when, they opened in uh, November because they op- the same week that Hudson was getting her spine surgery, they opened and we couldn't go for the, the opening. So the, the beginning of November, I've been five or six times that's pretty good it's i think the only restaurant that i've been to since her surgery so i don't get to get out a lot and go out for dinner it is i think by far my favorite place to eat okay but Uh, i'm a i'm a fried chicken nut and it's the best fried chicken I've ever had in my okay. life. Okay, all right. Uh, we were at a retirement party last Saturday. Again, another reason to come in, you know, early than we had anticipated. Uh, music teacher for both of our uh, both of our kids and niece and nephew who are considerably older than our kids. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, another band parent was there. She's a food critic in Kansas City. Really? Uh, won the James Beard Award for food critic, I 
thing. Oh wow! Yeah, I, and okay. maybe she ask her about Lula. Yeah, uh, she <laughs> said good things about it, but she's uh, she's currently looking at a new place in Parkville, I think it is called Acre. Okay, and uh, she's like very excited. The chef uh, was at French Laundry, um, the American Blue Stem, and I think Carol and I have, were were at a pop up restaurant. Uh, pop-up meal that he did and we're very impressed so looking forward to that one another good they're food, not open yet though another so. good food place i don't know it was here when you were here but silo had you guys ever been to silo yes we've been to silo really good mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, again we could spend hours talking about best food places well i mean what the heck it's what we do so okay so it's not open yet but not you're gonna yet. We'll be back in August. I'm hoping it'll be open then. So okay, maybe open. we can maybe we can just do dinner together then. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. I mean, we haven't, yeah. we haven't broken bread. Well, I guess we broke bread with you last weekend, but you know, yeah, but not the same. Yeah, right. not, yeah. Let's when go somewhere. Yeah, when there's 40 people around, it's a little different than just <laughs> just having a meal together. By the way, that food was oh, it was amazing. Yeah, it's nice having a chef in the neighborhood, and then I mean, potluck turns out pretty good anyway so yes yeah and and that's one of the things that generally happens with our music group too is we generally do lots of potluck and yeah and we have meal teams and the whole bit so <laughs> yeah it's it's uh, it's fun you know i'm looking forward to winfield again this year it'll be year number 50 for for winfield you know so you know where arc city is mm-hmm. which is a 10 minute uh, 10 minutes south of Winfield, mm-hmm. and that's where I went to my JUCO, and it is five minutes from the Oklahoma border, mm-hmm. and I have never been to a bluegrass festival, and what's worse is all of my family, both sides of my family, my father's side and my mother's side, attend it every year, religiously, and I have not been. Really? And... I keep telling myself the problem was is that I was in the bar business mm-hmm. and in the bar business at least in the Midwest you make no money in the summer just, people go to the lake it's it's lake season yeah. so nobody goes to the bars the bars are just dead in the summer so I'd make no money well come September and October it's starting to come back to bar season yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I am I have been writing checks that I couldn't cash trying to pay the rent or something and so it's time to make money again and it always happened at that same t- that time my brother lives in Ark City and and he'd say come down every year he stopped he just gave up asking me to come down <laughs> after 20 years of asking yeah I, I can't I can't I can't I gotta work yeah so so, so everybody that that's listening we mentioned Winfield it's actually the Walnut Valley Festival yeah this is year number 50, and, it, you know, I mean, there are other bluegrass festivals in the world, um, and even the U.S. Um, but this is, for the U.S., is definitely, I think, the... Uh, the one in West Virginia is probably bigger and well-known, because it's okay. East Coast. But well, this is a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, so, so it's really only, it's the third weekend in September, always. Um, this is year number 50. Um, Bella Fleck is going to be there this year. Wow. Yeah, Bella Fleck is like 
yeah, one of the most phenomenal bluegrass yeah. players in the world. <coughs> Don't worry, I'll edit that out. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> the uh, so so people show up ten days before for land rush land rush that's right and it's to celebrate the Oklahoma land rush because you're 10 miles away from the border and so imagine a thousand RVs all lined up and everybody rushes to their spot it's so weird it is it is crazy and it's gotten weirder even more weirder over the years because there's the pre-land rush where people get in line you know so they, they rush to get in line so that they can get an earlier spot in the line and it's all i mean it's all automated now i think we got maybe 130 in line and our friends got 10 and 12 you know so so if you click that button fast enough on the website yeah. you might be able to get in but yeah we've kind of decided this that's not for us we'll just show up wednesday afternoon be number 300 and we'll be able to get into the spot um Hopefully, you know, that'll that'll be the, the telling thing. But anyway, you know, it's it's great because 10 days before all these all these camps sprout up and everybody's got their own set of people. You know, we we kind of participate in a camp called Carp Camp and wonderful musicians, tent, big tent can fit probably 60 to 70 people underneath the tent and we all have homework for the year and we've got a book that we we pull from and if you ever get there come to carp camp sit in the middle ask for permission you just can't walk up but you know we'll we'll you know there are people on the outskirts that'll that'll guide you in and it's just phenomenal because these are professional musicians they put up with carol and i because we're not we're you know we've only been playing for 10 years but you know that many people you can't hear us make mistakes anyway <laughs> and try i mean literally you put a guitar on one side of me and a violin on the other i play mandolin i can't hear myself play so t- stop touching the strings if you have to right <laughs> i just you know i can <laughs> just, go just pretend I, I, I can go as hard <laughs> as i can and i can't tell the difference that's you know? amazing and then i also play an instrument called marimbio which is looks like a big thumb piano but it's about the size of a cello yeah and uh it's a nice bass instrument and you know i mean they play wicked fast for the music that we play it's like i can't keep up with mandolin so the big thumb piano is nice because it's easy nice well but, bob we are at two and a half hours i think that's <laughs> i think we'll like let it go out there. You're, you and I are going to hang out and keep chatting for a while, but uh, I'm going to stop the podcast there. And that is a perfect spot because you never know. Some of these people might show up at the Walnut Valley Festival. Sure. And Carp Kip. Or Pico de Gallo. <laughs> or I don't know the name of my cousin's camp or my brother's camp because they're always big camps too. But after this, I'll... I need to connect you with Yes, them. you do. Yeah. I mean, because that's the thing about Walnut Valley Festival. It's it's all about family. Um, the guys who wrote The Expanse, um, one of their dads, it, I played with them there and just had a wonderful conversation about The Expanse there with yeah. all the characters. So it's it's a great uh, it's a great time. Very family-friendly, 
Well, except for all the drinking, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Family friendly during the day, mostly, and then yeah, probably... stay out of Pecan Grove at night. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, this has been awesome, Bob. I think I think you're the perfect first guest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I hope all of your guests are as uh, as open and willing to talk about any topic at, at any time. You know, because, I mean, we went through zoom, zoom, zoom. We've been all over the place. Yeah. That's, that's what I like. I want people to hear the type of conversations that I get to have with my friends. And, um, and some of them I just, in the future, just so people know, you could hear some pretty big arguments on here. <laughs> Bob and I tend to get along really well, but but I, I in the end I usually end up usually end up finding at least a middle ground with people. So Bob, I got to go to the bathroom again. <laughs> so we're going to end it here. This is a good spot to end. This has been awesome. This has been awesome. So I really appreciate you coming and uh, I'm going to miss you until August. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, 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 I miss you and miss Casey and seeing the kids. And, you know, that's one of the things that uh, that kind of sucks about traveling around. But, you know, but it makes coming back that much more fun. What is it? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Exactly. Right? All right, brother. All it was right. fun being on. Love you, man. Fist Love you bump. Too. That's the end. Bye, guys. <laughs>